Good morning. It is nice to see all of you today. Hope your summer has gotten off to a great start. Uh, just to remind you of a couple of announcements and things going on, we continue to remind you about the pictorial directory. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you haven't gotten your picture taken, but uh, if you haven't, please make your way either before class or after this assembly, and uh, you can check your data to make sure that it's correct uh, in the directory, and then also get your picture taken. Doesn't really matter if you're wearing your finest clothes. Um, by the time the directory comes out and then we renew it, we'll forget that you know what your clothes look like, so we'll be good. Um, also remember that this next Sunday is the last Sunday before our mission team heads off to Guatemala. And so uh, there are a couple items that are listed in the bulletin. Uh, you can look at the bulletin board as you go out the hall uh, right on your uh, the right-hand side. There's a bulletin board there with some with a display that Stephen has put together. And uh, you can look at some of those things. But uh, if you're able to provide some of these items, then that will help with their budget. It will help bless the people uh, in the congregations that they're working with. And so uh, if you're able to do so, that, that would be great. Um, I appreciate Brian uh, Bergman filling in uh, last week. Um, I don't see Brian today, but I hope uh, all is well. Uh, but uh, I appreciate him doing that. Paul Rowland filled in on the Spanish. Uh, Catherine and I were in London. Uh, well, we were in England uh, to do a marriage retreat for the Wembley Church of Christ. The retreat actually took place in Bristol. And uh, um, uh, I've, it, it, it's kind of interesting because I had been hearing about this church for all of my years of study because my mentor, missions mentor, and the dean of the Graduate School of Religion where I received, uh, where I was studying, um, uh, uh, had helped start this congregation. So we heard stories about the Wembley Church. And, uh, and then Fernando and Carla Paris, members here who, going on five years now, have been working in London, uh, have been attending this congregation, been making a significant impact. Their kids, Adrian, and Lauren are both at a point where Adrian has finished university, is getting ready to go into graduate school, and Lauren is graduating from high school. And so uh, the years have been good to them, and uh, they continue to operate and uh, function in a very, very high capacity. And so uh, it's exciting to see that. Uh, today we're going to continue following Jesus on the path. And we know that this path leads to Jerusalem. And we know what that means. But to the people who were along that path, there was some question. There was some uncertainty. There was some confusion, if you will, some blindness. And so as Jesus enters into the city, there's a reception. Uh, the way that people receive him is significant before he gets to the city, he heals a blind man, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. So we're going to read through the text and then we'll begin talking a little bit first about Jesus entering into the city, what's often called the triumphal entry. It's also what is celebrated in Christendom today as Palm Sunday. And then we'll back up a little bit and think about uh, Bartimaeus for just a second. So I'm going to be reading from Mark uh, chapter 10 and following uh, the NIV. So you can read along if you would like on your apparatus, your device or your Bible. I don't know what happened to that one. Okay, I'm going to read from this side. <laughs> then they came to Jericho 
As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. This is around the time of Passover. The road between Jericho and Jerusalem was well-traveled. It wasn't that far of a distance. It was kind of a dusty road. Bartimaeus, as Mark explains to us, means son of Timaeus. Bar in um, Aramaic means son. In Hebrew, the word would be ben. And so this is son of Timaeus sitting by the roadside, hoping that some of these pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem would be exceptionally generous. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth walking by or coming up close, he began to shout. Now, this word shout isn't to speak loudly like I might be doing now. It isn't to project. This is the word when demons come out of people. This is a shriek. This is a scream. This is at the top of your lungs, which what I won't do to protect our sound system and to protect your ears But he shouts at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. The text only records twice. I'll bet you he said it a lot more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And said, bring him over. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ridden. Untie it, bring it to me. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks over it, he sat down on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches that they had cut from out in the field, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, let me just pause here for a second. This is from Psalm 118. Psalms 113 through 118 are called the Hallel Psalms. And these were the psalms of praise that people would sing and say to one another as they made their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. 
So very likely what was happening and the reason why it's divided up in this way is that they were speaking to one another and shouting to one another and singing these words. So we're going to try that here. So I'm going to start with the left side of the auditorium. Uh, well, you guys are on the right. I guess it's a question of perspective. But but you'll the folks over here will sing. Uh, will will say the first line, uh, Hosanna, and then this side will say the second line. Um, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Then you will answer back. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And then you will end with Hosanna in the highest heaven. Okay. So let's start on this side. You ready? Hosanna. Pretty cool, huh? Well, like many things in life, I think you had to be there to experience it. But they were singing, and these were moments of great expectation and high levels of energy and joy. And immediately, Jesus enters Jerusalem. He goes into the temple, looks around at everything, But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, he is entering as the Messianic king. On our last day in London, uh, the retreat was over. The work was all done. We had a day just to uh, uh, visit. And so we went to Windsor Castle. This is where, what's that guy's name? Harry? Yeah, and that, Megan? Yeah. Uh, There was a wedding there or something not too long ago. Well, I I didn't see the wedding on TV, but other people in our group uh, uh, did. And they said, okay, so this is where they walked down, and then this is where the queen sat, and and then this is here. This is evidently where Prince Harry and Meghan live uh, all the time. The queen goes out on the weekends. It's kind of her weekend home. We went on a tour, and, and what was amazing was all of the pomp and circumstance the gold and the furniture and the this and the that. At one point, we saw some of the guards, the royal guards, come out with their big, tall hats, and so they're stomping, and everybody stops and listens and takes pictures. And You know, when you're in that kind of a setting, you feel like, I don't want to do anything that's out of place because you're in the presence of not physically, but close by, of royalty. Well, Jesus is entering the city as, the city of Jerusalem as royalty. He he doesn't have a white horse to go into the city on, but he has a donkey, colt, that has never been ridden. It's never been used, it's been set apart for a special purpose. The path that he's going to travel over has been prepared with cloaks and branches fitting for a king in his time. There was this festive spirit among all of those who were traveling. Hosanna in Psalm 118 means save. So God save us or save us we pray But on the lips of these pilgrims making their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it became a shout of adoration, praise, and joy. 
The reason the crowd was so giddy was because this was Passover. And what happened at Passover was one of the great moments of Israelite history. It was when God freed the Israelites from slavery, when he freed them from the oppression of the Egyptians, when he allowed them to begin a new life. And so every year, as Passover came near, there was this expectation, there was this buzz, maybe this is the year that the Messiah will come and liberate us from the presence and the power of these Romans. The expectation was that the Messiah would turn around the fortunes of Israel and they would be able to recover all that is lost. There was a sense where this Messiah would come in with an army and right all the wrongs that they had been experiencing for centuries. But within a matter of days, this crowd that's just singing exuberantly and giddily, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Within days, this same group of people, when given a choice to shout for the freedom of Barabbas, a criminal, or Jesus, their shout will be, kill, execute, crucify Jesus. Because they realize that in their mind, in their sight, Jesus didn't come to pull off this coup that they were hoping They realized that Jesus was not fitting himself to their expectations. They realized that what they saw in their mind was not going to happen. And then they were willing to discard discard Jesus because he was no longer of use to them. His message of service and humility and uh, trusting God was not a message that fell at least to the multitudes didn't feel on didn't fall on welcoming ears, and, and you know in today's world we we can fall into the same kind of trap. If you think about the Christian calendar, today would be according to this text Palm Sunday. And generally, when you think about the atmosphere that there is on Palm Sunday, where there's a spirit of festivity of celebration, and Jesus is making his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, and then the next Sunday is what. Resurrection Sunday, Easter. And so we go from celebration to celebration, from festivity to festivity, and now Jesus is resurrected, and we fall into the trap of thinking that the Christian life is one of crown after crown after crown. And we lose the fact that to get to the crown, Jesus had to go through the cross. And as we walk with Jesus, as we walk behind Jesus... Through these chapters, between chapters 11 through 16, we can't jump from 11 to 16, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Because Mark wants us to slow down. He wants us to see and feel and hear what's happening. 40% of the gospel of Mark is in this last week of Jesus' life. 40%, almost half. And I think that's a much more accurate description of where we live 
We want a victorious, smiling Messiah. And he will be that. But before he gets his crown, he walks through the cross. Now I want to kind of shift gears and go back to Bartimaeus for just a second. Because there's some things happening in this story that I think are also significant and and I want to leave and and end on, on this. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. He had no disability program. He had no retirement. He had no social services to provide any kind of living The only thing he could do was to get there early, spread out his cloak, and hope that people threw money as they walked by. Since he was blind, he probably had an exceptional ear, and he might even been able to tell what coin it was that people were tossing. If you think about the beggars that you cross paths with, In Miami, most of the times, they're going to be at an intersection while you're stopped at a light. They'll come out and they'll hold a sign, homeless, a couple kids, will work for food, please help. But but if you look at them, you'll realize many won't even make eye contact. Many will just shuffle from one car to the next. Because they know... What they are. They're the have-nots. They're the marginalized. They're the ones on the outside looking in. And we have the glass and the door of our car. We have the lock to separate us. But when you're in a big city, and I was reminded again of the so many beggars that we would see in Buenos Aires. But in London, they're just right there on the sidewalk. And they typically have a cloth or a cardboard. And as people walk by, they drop coins. But they don't look at you. They're just hunched over. And so for Bartimaeus to jump up and start shouting was was just so out of character. And everyone was embarrassed immediately. And what they wanted to do was to shut him down. But he heard that this was Jesus. And while he probably had never met Jesus, he had heard stories. This is the guy that healed this woman of her blood hemorrhaging. This is the guy that raised the daughter. This is the guy that provided food for all of the people. This is the guy that can change your life. And so he wasn't going to let anyone shut him down. He knew what he wanted. And he shouted and screamed and shrieked at the top of his lungs until Jesus grants him a hearing. And then Jesus asks him such, such a question. What do you want me to do for you? If God showed up, today and asked you, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want 
you know, Bartimaeus could have said, well, I don't know, a couple bucks would be nice. Maybe a sandwich, burger from McDonald's. He could have asked, like one other person in the Gospel of Mark that we read about, he could have said, you know, there was a guy that came by, used to spit at me every time that I was standing here asking for, sitting here asking for money, and I want you to take him out. I want revenge. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. When I get a chance, that's how I want to spend my one wish. Last week, this question was asked in the text. Jacob and John said, hey, we've got a favor. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, we want fame and fortune. We want to sit at your side. We want the best seats in the house. We want front row, 50-yard line, cream of the crop. We want all the prestige and glory that's not what Bartimaeus asked for. He said, I want to see. I want to see. His persistence, his focus, he knew exactly what he wanted and he knew who could give it to him. And then Jesus says, okay, I can do that. The first face that Bartimaeus sees is Jesus's. I, I don't know how you imagine what it's going to be like for you when you wake up on the other side. But in my mind, whatever happens on this side to leave this earth, when I wake up on the other side, the first face that I want to see is Jesus's. And Bartimaeus had that honor and that privilege. And, you know, the fact that we even know his name. Most of the people that get healed in the Bible, it's just some woman, some man, unless they were an important kind of a person. This is a blind beggar. So so what most commentators think is that When Mark was writing this gospel, Bartimaeus was at one of these churches that was going to get this letter, was going to read this gospel. Can you imagine what it would be like for them to be reading through? And when they get to this section that we call chapter 10, verses 46 and following, Bartimaeus is sitting up on the front row. And they all look at him and say, hey, this is you. Because it's most likely that he was still around. And that's why his name is here. And so what that leads us to to know about Bartimaeus and to understand is that Mark is painting him as the ideal disciple. Someone that knew from whence they came. Someone that had been delivered through the power and the grace of Jesus. Someone that was so persistent in seeking after what they needed that they wouldn't let anyone get in their way. Someone that once they received the grace and mercy of the Lord, they were willing to leave everything and follow him, even if the next stop was Jerusalem and the cross. 
Bar-Timaeus, son of Timaeus, has now become Bar-Theos, son of God. And we see a man that we can all long to imitate. And you know, in some ways, we're all like Bartimaeus. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know what God saved you from. I don't know what prison you were in or what dark place or what well or what situation, but at some point God entered your life and you were willing to leave everything so you could follow him. But sometimes we kind of act like the crowd. We're a little bit fickle. One day yes, one day not so much. And and I think the cure for our spiritual blindness of this fickleness of human spirit is to look at Bartimaeus. Rabbi, I want to see. I want to be healed. My spiritual blindness is great. And once you heal me, I will follow you. Our only hope is submission, confession, and a true desire to repent. We will all get a crown, but we'll never get a crown without going first through the cross. And none of us is above the other. We're all on this journey together. And Bartimaeus reminds us that you and I can all become sons and daughters of God. We're going to offer an opportunity for you to express a concern. We're going to sing a song. And if you have a need that you would like to express or there's a decision that you would like to share that we can help you in any way, we would like to do that. So let's all stand and sing.